Okay. Ready now? You tell me. Hell no. <sighs> I'm ready. You're in quite the mood today. <laughs> That's good. I have to have pancakes right now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we didn't have a lot to talk about because we we both watched, well, you watched some of Blackbird, the new yeah, Apple right. show, mm-hmm. Ray Liotta's last Yeah, project. I didn't even make it to Ray Liotta being in the episode. It's just overcranked. There's there's two storylines. There's a storyline with Taron Eg- Egerton, mm-hmm. and the primary thrust of his character seems to be he is like a bodybuilder. He's is he out. a bodybuilder in the show? No, but okay. I mean that, that's I what I'm about saying. to say. So right, he just like has a body. It's insane. Body. It's insane. It's insane. He's totally over cranked for yeah. his role. It feels like it just doesn't fit. And then Greg Kinnear comes in, and Greg Kinnear, I think, is really good. Mm-hmm. And another guy that I like plays the potential murderer, and I think he's actually doing really good work. He's using a really weird voice mm-hmm. um, that I think is effective. But, man, that storyline with Taron Edgerton, whoever is, is bad. It's exactly Yeah, weird. I don't feel like anything. I mean, did you have you seen the trailer? I watched it like a while ago, and I yeah. was like, oh, okay, because it's Dennis Lehane. And, right. The know. whole reason I decided to watch it was because of the trailer. And tonally, the trailer is so completely different than what the show is. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it's it opens up, and I'm assuming it continues out the, the series. The only two episodes are out so far. Is it, it opens up, and it relies heavily on narration. Mm-hmm. And the narration is so bad. Mm-hmm. Just it's just tonally bad. It's it's literally written bad. It's performed bad. It doesn't fit the show at all. Oh man, it caught me so off guard because I just felt like it was so different from the trailer. And I was telling you, it reached the point to where it was like we started watching it. We got like two minutes in. Julia's not really paying attention. And so I'm trying to gauge, like, is she is she paying attention enough that sh- she wants to keep watching the show or is she just not paying attention at all? So I kind of pick the remote up and I get the start trying to feel the room for how that re- reacts. I don't get anything from it. And she says something. I'm like, look, I'm like 30 seconds away from turning this show off because it's so bad. And then it, like, somehow... Um, crests i guess and it goes into being so bad that it's like i can't and now i can't turn it off (laughs) i have to see what happens here um and then but eventually i had to force myself to turn off because i knew i was just going up watching the whole thing if i didn't but is that made by anyone of note besides dennis lehane uh i think it's directed by somebody who i thought was um interesting and then and it's 
it's not is it based on one of his books or it's just is this his like it's like his tv show because everything else from lahane has been based on his books right yeah and i i don't know but all i know is you know this the, is the most like name worthy stuff at least oh this show is that's what it says this is based on true events oh i don't even remember that at the at the beginning so i don't know if you know he worked on it at all in in book form mm-hmm. um so yeah, some of the directors on the show. Okay, I was gonna say, the one thing that this made me think of um, are good, uh, kind of gangster, you know, cop adjacent stories. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch The Drop? Nope. Really? What? So the the drop is a movie with Tom Hardy, James Gandolfini Mm-mm. is in it. No. Um I was going to say it sounds familiar. That does not sound familiar at all. Written by Dennis Lehane. Uh-huh. And directed by a guy who's did some of the episodes of Blackbird. Oh, uh, okay. I I will go and say the drop is one of those movies that you watch and you're like that was really good. And then uh-huh. you just think back on it and you're like, I actually think that's like amazing. And then you rewatch and you're like, it actually falls into your new rating system. Oh, really? I was going to say, how old is it? Because Gandolfini's dead, right? Yeah, I don't have to say it like that. Well, he and he died a Jeez. couple years ago. Couple? No, he's been. For a while? He's been gone for a while. <laughs> he's passed or whatever. <laughs> um, he's moved on. Uh huh. That was. 2014 really wow yeah so i'm actually gonna say like from the people behind blackbird watch the drop well i'll tell you what you might want to leave the blackbird part out of it well i'm just telling you then yeah like i and i definitely actually now i want to talk about it okay so we can pause right now and watch the drop I'll, i'll add it to my plex while we talk okay so minus that, I've also I started that show Moonhaven. Oh my gosh, Keith! You mentioned that, and so I watched the trailer for it. Come on, listen. That looks I actually so bad. I actually don't watch trailers. I only picked up on like these shows from like Twitter. It looks like a show that the Sci Fi Channel would have passed on. Yeah, it's it's not very good. Um, and Better Call Saul is back. Uh huh. It's so good, man. Like I, I know how you feel about Breaking Bad, but I really feel like they worked out the kinks of Breaking Bad in mm. Better Call Saul, and you just don't see a show that kind of like is operating at that level. And that's that. That was amazing. So I watched that. It's still being done by Vince Gilligan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Still done by Vince Gilligan. But but again, (sighs) I feel like Breaking Bad, you know, you always hear that um, it started as a comedy and, Mm -hmm. you know, things changed on the fly and Jesse Pinkman was supposed to die and they decided. And you you get the sense that like, yeah, Breaking Bad, they kind of found it. They kind of found the story as they went. Yeah. And then Barrett Cole Saul is like, Okay, we know exactly the tone that we want to hit, mm-hmm. and it's it's fantastic. 
There's been a lot of that show by this point, right? Like five seasons? I think this is, so this is the final season, mm-hmm. the last few episodes, and they're on season six. Okay. Um, so, uh, so TV has been kind of a miss. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really going on. Stranger Things. Film-wise, I ain't really don't have much to say about yeah. Stranger Things. So that brings me around to, and it's weird how it all kind of turns around. I don't know. It, mm-hmm. It's weird how things that I just keep looking. Um, Ace is just humping away, and every time he humps, <laughs> I don't know if it's him or if something's changed in me. <laughs> I find it so funny. Uh-huh. Uh, again, I don't know if it's the way that he humps. Yeah. Or just the way like dogs hump. I think it's probably dogs in general, but there is something about Ace that's like, I think a little bit more pathetic. I think it's because he's a big dog Uh and just knowing how pathetic he is, (laughs) it all just kind of makes this beautiful (laughs) picture of just a lost dog. Right. Just a useless. (laughs) No, it's just good. Um, and so I was thinking, uh, so I was thinking of a few things. Number one, I feel like Indy is at an age where he's asking a lot of questions that are causing me to think a lot about myself and reflect on myself. Uh-huh. And it's come up a few times, but, you know, I hate the way that I talk. I hate the way that I process information. And I wish I could go back and, and change that about me. I wish I could be more clear, mm-hmm. not talk the way that I do. And I was reflecting on why that is and coming up with a few answers. But, you know, part of me also tied to this is I was watching like RM Brown videos mm-hmm. and he covers some debates. So most recently, Kyle Kulinski, Kulinski? K- Kulinski debated Jordan Peterson. This was on his Patreon or on, I don't, th- was it on the, his YouTube? Yeah, I think it was on his, I think it, it may have been the Patreon episode. Uh-huh. But he's also covered, like, um, Charlie Kirk debated a few people. Tim Pool had Matt Bender on. Um, And sometimes I would, you know, I I didn't really watch those um, debates. But I would look, I, I looked up, like, a few just to see what it was about. And, like, 10 seconds in, I was like, debates are useless. Yeah. They're, they're they're pointless. And I used to be somebody who put a lot of faith in debates. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they're they're entertaining, but they don't go I don't even know. They don't go any further than that. And I think the big problem now is what makes them useless, I think what you're alluding to is that number one, everyone is so entrenched into their opinion and their sides that a debate's not actually going to do anything but also it doesn't matter because one half of the debate is does not approach anything in good faith like charlie kirk and jordan peterson and ben shapiro are not going to and uh uh, dennis prager are not going (laughs) to debate anybody in good faith with the idea of like actually sharing a perspective or actually changing anybody's minds. It is purely just to 
get the talking points out that they're being paid to pedal, basically. Yeah. Um, but there is a big, like, there is a big, uh, I don't know, I guess a big focus of lo- a lot of the political commentators is is debate. Debate, exactly. It's people either, with the right-wingers, it's people won't debate me, and with the left, with the lefties, it's we'll debate you, but you won't accept any of the offers or whatever. And so, yeah, I find like the conversation around like the endless debates aren't going to happen is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Here we have the receipts. We offered to pay them hotel and they want 10,000. It's like, right. I don't yeah. care about that. The other thing too, is you realize like, I remember looking at people who would engage in debate and almost be like amazed. Like how can you feel so confident in any subject be like, yeah, I'll stand up in front of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about this thing. Um, because I never felt confident in my own knowledge in, in anything that way. Yeah. And then, you know, you get old and you see like Ben Shapiro just be like, yeah, I'll sleep on my bed made of money, okay? Yeah. And it's like, oh. Right. So part of this is theater, right? No, no, they don't care. Right. That like, they're not entering in, like you said, with good faith on like, oh, I have to know my stuff. They're like, no, I just need to when i just need exactly throw this yeah well and yeah no you're right the the other issue that i have is i feel like it's impossible to articulate like an objective truth you know it there's not enough words to argue a point so much so that everyone around you just says like well that's objective truth yeah i can't Mm -hmm. i can't debate with that and that goes to like Debates with flat earthers or debates with, you know, the millions of debates you can find, like you said, on leftist Twitch mm-hmm. is usually where a lot of that stuff happens too. like debate me while I play a video game or whatever. Um, and all that stuff, I'm like, yeah, you can't, it's, it's a failure of language, right? Mm-hmm. It's a failure of like the truth. That's why the justice system is so broken. That's why like everybody hates lawyers, right? Because you figure out how to game the system. A system built on like uncovering the truth quickly gets exposed as like, yeah, no. Yeah. This isn't about the truth. This is about me just spinning or finding a loophole or whatever else. Right. So all that to say, I think that I invested a lot of my early years trying to angle for a position of knowledge that would afford me that ability to be like, oh no, I know this thing backwards and forwards. I can debate it. I can articulate it. You know, now I feel like I have a handle on this subject mm-hmm. only to realize like that's a fool's errand. You know, yeah. nobody even cares enough about it. And that's not the way truth works. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't get it in like a, like a, bullet point you know presentation back here you go this is objective truth about god or philosophy or whatever so there's that whole frustration and on the other side you know then you run away from that and you're like well i want to i still believe in knowing things like i'm not a total like i still have a desire to understand yeah so what do i do with that and then comes an album like the Viagra Boys, Viagra. I don't know why I said Viagra. Right. 
Viagra Boys. Viagra Boys. And you you have like the Viagra Boys. You even have like Kurt Vile, somebody mm-hmm. I want to talk about, and other different artists. And especially artists that like embrace a, a piece of the absurd. They're okay presenting themselves as like, again, yeah, we're gonna call ourselves the Viagra Boys. Right. But then you like you listen to their last album, Cave World. Cave World, uh-huh. And they're just like basically talking about modern day like politics. Yeah. And talking about it in a direct way where like there's a whole song where it's just like, yeah, you're scared to take the vaccine. You're just not as evolved. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're a lesser evolved life right. form. Yeah. And it both is like pointed and direct. It's not like, let me dance around what I want to say. And it's also not like cringy in its directness. It's funny. It's smart. Mm-hmm. It's catchy. Well, right. And I think, well, I think part of what makes that work is that while the lyrics are very direct, everything else about it is like way over the top. And like the music is crazy. His, the way he sings is he's like half yelling at you, half talking, maybe sometimes singing. Whereas like if you took those lyrics and gave them to, I don't know, somebody else, with just like a guitar or whatever, just it like, okay, great. tone it, tone it down <laughs> tone a little. You know what I mean? Like we get it. But with Viagra Boys, yeah, it's so like over the top that the lyrics themselves are almost kind of, the lyrics and what he's saying are just almost kind of secondary to everything else that's going on. He sings in a way, I used to have a recurring dream where I would be like on a, on a stage performing with a band. Yeah. But I don't play an instrument. And I'm just up there like wailing away on the guitar or whatever it is. And I'm like not ruining the show. People are like into <laughs> right. it. Just because there's too much sound going on that I can get lost in it and just yeah. go to go to town. And he sings in a way that makes me feel like I'm living that that dream. For sure. Yeah. Where it's like, oh man, that must feel so good to yeah. just get up, be backed by a bunch of noise and just go yeah like just whatever you want to yeah he, he goes for it. there's a great performance um they're at some i think they're at maybe like a festival or something and they're doing sports and towards the end of the song he just lays on the stage on his back and he's just screaming into the microphone and then he just rolls over and lays the microphone down and starts doing push-ups and every time he gets down to the stage, he <laughs> screams into the mic and then he pushes that guy. It's so funny. But yeah, there, um, he really goes for it and it works. It works great. You know who I, I had this thought listening to them on the way over here. I was like, I think, sorry, quickly. I think that works because the lyrics are so direct and pointed and the presentation is so goofy. Yeah. And like you can clearly tell there he's not like this super self-serious person. It's but he still has a message to get across. Exactly. And it, it, he he to me it also I was never a Future Islands guy. Right. But listening to them like this is kind of what Future Islands I feel like should have been. Yeah. Like Future Islands had that over the top presentation 
But then when you look at like the actual music and lyrics and stuff, it's a little too sincere and like it's too much earnestness. Yeah. Yeah. It's too sincere and precious. And you're like, yeah, I don't, I wish you were just like screaming about sport. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. And and what you said there is exactly it. it. It's like, you know, I understand the level of absurdity that, that this subject warrants mm-hmm. and I'm going to match it while also having a message to deliver. Cause it's also not just one song. Like the whole album is practically a concept album for like the far right and the, you know, people getting, um, militarized by mm-hmm. right wing yeah. talking points, mm-hmm. you know? So he clearly has, a message he's gonna deliver it he finds the right he he finds the right balance of absurdity and i'm also amazed by people who i get the feeling like he doesn't obsess over it like i would mm-hmm. where it's just like anything that i want to say it's just obsessed over am i going to say it correctly what am i going to misidentify how am i going to you know delegitimize myself to the point i'm trying to make and you forget the fact that, like, number one, no one cares, you know, mm-hmm. that, like, Ben Shapiro, all these people who even propose that they care really don't. All right. And and that, like, it is an absurd situation that it, it calls for, you know, absurdity in, in return in, so, in some ways. Mm-hmm. And you can't just kind of, like, cross your legs and, like, Ted talk it out. Mm-hmm. To a point of like enlightenment, you're just going to get lost. In that. Well, yeah, and to that point too, I don't, I don't know if I feel like this may have come up on Chapo, but I can't remember specifically when they were talking about it or what they said. But I think I feel like this applies to the whole abortion thing, the whole um, debate, and all of that. Uh. Because it's like you're, you know, ever since Roe Roe versus Wade was overturned, all of the talking points and all of the liberals, it's all been like, you want to regulate my body. I have the right to choose, blah, 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 you know. But the people who are anti abortion aren't looking at it as like taking away your right to do, they look at abortion as you are murdering somebody. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, of course they're going to be against murdering somebody, right? It's because they have this belief, whether it was like instilled in them by the church, like the, um, that John Ronson podcast tried Mm -hmm. to assert Mm -hmm. or whatever, which I have no reason fall apart. Uh, Yeah. I have no reason to, doubt that but um their core belief is that you're killing somebody so like your arguments of like i should you you should be you should keep your religion to yourself and let me do what i want to do that is you saying let me kill whoever i want to kill to them basically you know what i mean and it's like how do you debate that how do you argue against how, you know what I mean? How do you argue somebody? I get, how do you convince somebody that it's okay for you to murder somebody? You know what I mean? That's essentially what it boils down to because they have this 
maybe a religious belief, whatever it is that can, that life begins at conception. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I was trying to think about it in terms of like lots of, and, and I feel like on the conservative side of things, it's it's like they go from like wind gust to wind gust. Mm. It's like they're always looking for the next thing to like give them just a little push. And it's mm-hmm. like, is it Johnny Depp and Amber Heard? Mm-hmm. Is there something there? Is it like CRT? CRT. The caravan. And how quickly things go away, right? right. Like yeah. whatever issue they're raising. Like there's a swarm of immigrants heading towards the border and they're going to take us over. And like mm-hmm. two months later, it's like, wait, what happened with that? Right. Cluster. What were they calling it? Remember? They're like Yeah, I can't remember. It's a zombie army right. coming. But you remember that. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. Completely gone. Who cares? We're on to the next thing. Right. And then there's always this period of like searching, I feel like. And uh, you know, some of the stuff that they are on now is like trans LGBTQ rights and stuff like that. And I was like, if if I was in a debate. For me, one of the clearest points to make is just on general politics. What has affected you most in your life? Mm-hmm. For anyone listening to Ben Shapiro or whatever. Is it healthcare, the cost of healthcare, access to healthcare? Or is it what this person who's not in your orbit decides to do with their body? Right. Medically. Yeah. You know? And there is no other answer than, yeah, healthcare impacts me more than that discussion. But those discussions are the only thing things that keep those conservatives, conservative talking heads afloat. Mm-hmm. And you you want to say, like, I haven't heard them ever talk about like access to healthcare more generally like universal healthcare um the most that you hear them say is like yeah we need to um make the the middle class have more mobility or lighten the load on them or lighten student debt or whatever but whenever it gets we to we need an- more families well, yeah, we when need it gets more to an actionable item, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's absolutely nothing. Another video that I was watching was uh, the the Marco Rubio, mm-hmm. you know, uh, legislation, which is like, oh, paid time leave for, um, parent for uh, f- new mothers and fathers. Mm-hmm. It's like you can, you have to pay like Social Security back for any time extended time off that you get. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you're covered on the short end, but then you have to like you have to make it square later on in your life. It's like what benefit is that? <clears throat> right. Yeah. They it the from what I've seen at least, and I don't obviously uh consume a lot of this stuff, probably more than your average person at least though, is the conservative talking heads, that side of the spectrum, they're never offering solutions for anything, right? It, it's never they're never giving you an answer or trying to solve a problem they're just always trying to take something away you know what i mean and it's like even their solutions of 
you know, how do we address, uh, you know, violence in the black community? Their solution is, well, we need to make black fathers stay with their families more. Stop rap music. And and even, and even then it's like, okay, that's okay. So how do you propose to do that? You know what I mean? And there's no answer to that, but they just completely refuse to like acknowledge any sort of underlying issue or any sort of way that it could be addressed from like a collective perspective. It's always just individual, right? It's the bootstrap Mm -hmm. stuff. And it just, it goes back to the point of like, it's either completely disingenuous or it's like thoughtless. And it's like, how do you, how do you debate that? How do you spend that much time talking about stuff that doesn't matter? Yeah. Like just endlessly, how much content did CRT get? And, you know, all these dumb secondary issues that don't really affect, you know, again, like the Amber Heard trial Mm. or like, Every other day, too, I feel like Ben Shapiro and, like, Matt Walsh or whatever, like, railing against a new movie that's right. coming out. You saw the Matt Walsh superhero thing? No, I saw people <laughs> sharing. I couldn't be bothered. What did he do? He it was just the thumbnail, really. And the thumbnail was the worst superheroes of all time. And it was Matt Walsh is in the thumbnail, of course. And then it was four... Uh, female superheroes, <laughs> and so of course the five superheroes he pick are all women. <laughs> it's just as like, we see you, buddy. And then did you see his Civil War tweets? Basically, oh yeah, where he's like, we have nothing in common with them. Right, we, they need to be eliminated or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. I mean that that's the thing too. It's like that guy is like a quote unquote leading, you know, figure or like Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. All these people talk about nonsense mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. You know, you, Jordan Peterson, like, crying over Elliot Page or whatever. Right. It's completely absurd. And I just don't understand how you can devote so much of your time and attention to stuff that doesn't matter to your daily life. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't matter. Well, that to my point, though... That is, it's it's a literally they're doing it because they get paid to do it. They, the, yeah, you but know what I mean. But the consumers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess the point is just is to get the consumers all foamed up, which is what happens. You know what I well, mean. Well, that's the yeah, that's the and then the uh, Viagra boys come in and right put a put a uh, a stamp on the issue. Yeah, but. So that you know, that's what I was thinking about, and and you know, trying to you know parent my son through adolescence and how to think about all this stuff and how to appropriately care and then not care about it. Right. You know, another thing they started doing is he couldn't find the proper receptacles at school for some of his lunch trash. Mm-hmm. So he's bringing it home. <laughs> so you like properly dispose of mm-hmm. it. He's bring back his like seltzer water can. Cause he can't, Pringles, there's no recycling or like whatever. Recycling or whatever. Uh-huh. And it is one of those things where it's like, listen, love it. Keep, keep going, but don't 
feel like that's a burden. Right. That's not on you. You know exactly. Recycling doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Consumer level. Like yeah. (laughs) So it's like we're not doing it. Yeah. It's like listen. If if you want to recycle like here at the house, perfect. Right. But don't sit there and and allow it to dominate your mind in any way mm-hmm. because it's out of your control. Yeah. You know what I mean? And trying to like instill that balance because that imbalance is the thing that I see the most where people are just incapable of understanding anything other than like what they've committed to at whatever part of their life. I don't know if it's like yeah, nature nurture then makes you more susceptible to you know, um, Ben Shapiro or, or again, listen, on the other side, it's, it's like the left who's trying to make you feel bad about not voting basically Republican, Mm -hmm. you know, like there, there's that too, where you get so lost in yourself. I think it was Aaron Brown again, was playing like clips from a Nancy Pelosi documentary where it's like basically just people being like, Listen, she is probably the most impactful person in in the American history. And it's like real people saying this stuff. And it's like, how mm. how are you a part of politics looking at Nancy Pelosi and being like, nothing wrong here? Yeah. I see absolutely nothing to comment negatively about here. Right. What a what a useless waste of your intellect and your time and your energy. So it's like yeah, and then again, I think art maybe is a... And I'm trying to convince him about the benefits of music and art and stuff. It's like it gives you an outlet for that stuff that isn't just trapped in your own brain of trying to articulate it or, yeah, like get on a podcast and be like, I read this article. Let me try and make sense of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And half, again, I've said it last, last time, right? Like half the shit, probably more that I say on here, I will probably cringe but I won't because it's a record for indie. I'm glad it's out there. <laughs> right. He's going to see me processing this, uh-huh. working through this and see how hard it is right. to get out of your own way when you were somebody who believed that like the answers lied in like just you learning and reading more and ingesting more and being perfect in your word choice and mm-hmm. constantly evaluating it yeah. instead of just like, yeah, like learn to half play a guitar then like plug it in, strum it really loud, and mm. just start screaming about sports or right. <laughs> like whatever else, and just yeah. and and find your voice that way, where you're then able to like again s- convey realer points and truth in a clearer way than I think half the the debates. If I gave myself to hours of Kyle Kalinsky and all those people debating all these right wingers, like. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the benefit of that versus, yeah, throwing on this Viagra Boys album being like, yep, that's that's what debating these people is like. It's it's debating a troglodyte, right? right? It's like, no, we're like up in the trees now. Yeah. So get get out because you don't belong here. Yeah. You're, you're not, you can't handle it up here. Yeah. Um, a little bit to that point, though, is I think I think one big difference is we're just on a podcast, we're just talking, and I would say there are very few people in the world who are really great at like expressing themselves off the cuff and saying exactly what they mean to say in the moment 
you know, and and the Viagra Boys comparison comes in where obviously making music is something that's highly produced and you're writing every aspect of it and then you have time to, re- to refine that writing over and over again. And even more so, um, you saw that um, Fantano did an interview with the singer mm-hmm. of Viagra mm-hmm. Boys, Sebastian Murphy. Half of that interview was Sebastian being like, yeah, we wrote this song, we brought it into the studio and recorded it, and then left it overnight with the producer, and we came in the next day, and he added all of these effects and done all this different stuff. And I was like, what did you do? I hate this. This is so terrible. <laughs> and then I'd wait a couple hours, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, you know, that's kind of just how it goes. <laughs> what, what you're saying is you need a producer. I need to just say whatever the hell I, I want, <laughs> walk away, and then have somebody be like, okay, I see what you're trying to say here. So yeah, I mean, if that's what you want it to it be, it has to be refined and blah, blah, blah. But that's not what this is. It's just two people talking and, you know. Yeah, you, you got to get out of your own way. It's so, hard to express yourself. It is. Accurately. And so that also led me, led me full circle mm-hmm. to, you know, thinking, number one, like, I don't believe this, but listening to the album did make me think like, what if speech was a mistake? <laughs> uh-huh. What if speech... Communi- not communication, but speech specifically? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. there's a better way to communicate? Well, sh- yeah, like writing. I hear what you're saying. And yeah. and we've settled on, like, talking as right. the way we communicate. Which it's like, like the most immediate, easiest... That's the yeah. dumbest way to do it. <laughs> you know, like, we thought we were making a big evolutionary leap there. Right. And it's like, oh, no. I think, actually... You know, it's better to just, like, gesture at each other. Right. Or, like, who, what is it, ants who, like, emit hor- hormone, mm-hmm. like, smells and stuff? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, maybe maybe we could have just emitted at each other cla- yeah. smell clouds. Once the first uh, caveman gave his first grunt, <laughs> it was all downhill from there. I like that you, the noise you go with this. <laughs> like, Don't you remember that? There's like a big NPR story that was like scientists <laughs> have like constructed what the first, what cavemen sounded like from their vocal cords or whatever. And they played it as this short clip of. <laughs> I was thinking of the, um, the windpipe of the great pharaoh uh-huh whatever and they like his windpipe was preserved and uh-huh. they, like blew in it it's just yeah. like ah! <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah scientists are awesome and so it, it also made me think like i don't know where i where i heard this like the history of devo mm-hmm. you know devo is like named after d uh, evolution. Mm-hmm. And do you know the theory of de-evolution? Briefly. I'm sure I listened to the same thing you listened to because that sounds familiar, but it's not and it's like, coming to me. Yeah, and it's like, listen, de-evolution is not like a legitimate, you know, thought within biological, you know, research fields or anything. Right. But it's the basic idea that, you know, like, I think in the video that I watched, it was like brains are getting smaller. Uh huh. And that could be proof of like de evolution. 
to have bigger brains. It's just getting smaller, smaller, smaller. And how much do you need to actually process versus mm-hmm. how big our brains are? Like, you know, again, the idea is like how little we use our full brains right. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, again, people have brain injuries and it's like they're still working depending on the part of the brain that's affected. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I, I do think de-evolution is a good way of describing not what's happening to us biologically probably, but culturally. For sure, yeah. Societally, absolutely. Yeah. Societal yeah. de-evolution I think is probably how I would term you know, what we are experiencing. There's like that term, like late stage capitalism mm-hmm. and all that. But I think societal de-evolution yeah. feels more descriptive and apt. Yeah, totally. I agree. And I think this is a great album exploring that. Yeah. So there you go. Viagra Boys, Cave World. Cave World, very good. So good. And so much more articulate. Than any person can be in a debate with, right? Steven especially Crowder. on the right, yeah, Steve yeah. Steve Crowder. And it's just so funny too, like Steve Crowder, right? He got his, he started making his name as like the guy who's like, change my mind, right? Like yeah. it's like these people also put up, oh, I'm I'm all about debate, I'm for debate. It's like, mm-hmm. no, you're you're for using that for your purpose because again, debate, and the people who believe in debate were also gullible because mm-hmm. we think like oh this guy must know like i wouldn't stand up in front of all these people and start talking so these two people must know what they're talking about yeah and then you get a little older and you're like oh yeah that guy just screamed uh, i'll cry myself to sleep on my bed may of money okay <laughs> right. and it's like well, how do you yeah. get invited to this debate? right <laughs> okay so somehow we were going to parlay all of that into a talk about death yeah, I think it I think it fits, you know, de-evolution, okay. you know, reflecting on your life and then uh and then death. Oh, and I I heard the story of the guy who um survived 18 hours oh, right. adrift on a football in the ocean on a half inflated volleyball. <laughs> half inflated that volleyball. was lost 10 days previously <laughs> by two boys. Uh-huh. And their volleyball just happened to like catch a current and meet up with him. And how did he get lost? He just got pulled out by an undertow. He was like surfing or something? I I didn't say it didn't say surfing, it just said he got pulled out. Okay. So undertow, surfing, or just yeah, just standing. Um and um I realized I wouldn't have survived that. Yeah. I don't even need to see the volleyball. I I just I just know 18 hours would well, be on the, in the ocean. Well, I mean, that's interesting, though, because in that scenario in particular, what did he have to do to survive? He just had to not die. Well, that's You couldn't what, not die for 18 hours? Well, I mean, without anything to help keep you afloat, you're, you're in danger of losing all of your energy. You but know. he was afloat on a volleyball. No, but yeah, the, the, the volleyball, the half half inflated volleyball. Uh-huh. I feel like yeah, making did. it half inflated would make it even easier because it gives you a little bit of cushion to sit on. Right? Let me ask you, where would you put it? <laughs> on my butt. So you would literally push it underneath and sit on it? Yeah, probably. 
See, I was thinking I might try and put it in the small of my back and like back float. Yeah, you could probably do that. Or like put it underneath your chin. Yeah. Just yeah, but I mean, my point in that scenario is like, how do you die? Unless you just. Down. Right. So, you, so you're saying in that scenario, you would just be like, you know what? This is it. And you would roll off the volleyball and let yourself I, drown? I'd make it a few hours, but, you know, 12 hours in. Especially as it gets dark. Yeah. I don't know, man. And where was this at? Do you know? I think in like Greece. In the ocean? Yeah. Do you know where Greece is? Yeah, but I mean like I I guess I don't think of like that as like a big ocean. <laughs> I was thinking more Setting. of like are there sharks in that area? I guess it's the ocean, so there are, right? No matter what. There are sharks everywhere. Listen, there's um Leviathans. In there. Wow. They're old gods. Well, yeah. And Julia and I were having a conversation last night about death in general. I don't know. I don't remember how it came up exactly. But we have differing points of view where she's kind of like, you know, it's death. Which I feel like is a more traditional point of view where it's like, you're dead. And you're not going to know that you're dead. Like, so who cares? You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, it's like going to sleep. You don't ever know you're asleep and then you just wake up, you know? you know. Uh, but to me, there's like, there's just something about it that completely freaks me out. And not in the sense of like, I mean, obviously with all the dumb stuff I've done and hurt myself doing. It doesn't affect me in the way of like, I need to make sure every single door and window is locked and I need to make sure I'm driving five miles under the speed limit. You know what I mean? But just in theory, the idea of not being alive <laughs> totally freaks me out. You know? It's the finality Does of it, it not bother you? I think, I think for me, it's more of like, the older I get, the more I realize I don't want to be that extended hospital patient yes for sure but that's not even what i'm saying though i'm saying like because yeah i mean we ran through those scenarios too because it's like there's a point where it's like what if you get dementia and it's like well if you get dementia at a certain point you might you're already dead right you don't know what's going on i'm talking about i guess more of like conscious not being conscious anymore right because then it's like no more family no, nothing. Everything's gone. Everything that you knew, mm. literally every single thing that you knew in your life, it is gone, and you just don't exist anymore. Gotta live it up. It doesn't freak you out. I mean, I, I like. What do you do about it then? I, I, that makes it even scarier because there's nothing you can do about it. It happens no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That really freaks me out sometimes. I mean, obviously, it's not something that I'm like in a constant panic about. But there are moments where it's like, man, you really feel it. It really hits you. Definitely, <clears throat> I think that there are moments where you're where you realize, like, oh man, like it's coming. Like yeah. one day I'm going to be that person who like right has the heart attack. It's going to be me. And at work or whatever, I'm going to be like, oh, did you hear that guy had a heart attack? And it's like. That was Keith Krepko. Right. Father. Oh, I remember Keith. Had yeah. a podcast. He's now dead. Right. Yeah. And the other scenario we came up with was 
like, I think the pretty standard like cancer scenario, you know, Mm -hmm. because I watched my dad die of cancer Mm -hmm. over the course of three months and I don't ever want to go through that. Right. At the same time. So I'm sitting right now and I can say, in theory, I get a cancer diagnosis. They say it's terminal or whatever. Then I'm going to be like, all right, you know, sign me up. Where do I, how do I get out of here? You know what I mean? Before I have to go through all that and put my family through all that and, you know, the financial uh, responsibilities, all that, blah, blah, blah. But then in the actual moment, I could not imagine myself being like, well, here I go. Give it. All right, give it to me. I guess I'm ready to not be here anymore. You know what I mean? How do you do that? Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's where the obsession over like end of the world stuff happens, right? Like mm-hmm. every generation has its own version of like, this is the end of the world. Like I remember being a kid mm-hmm. and just like mm-hmm. all the evangelicals every six months. Well, this is it, the end of the world. And why I think some people look look forward to that because it's so much easier to imagine your death in the broader construct of like a disaster, mm-hmm. you know? So end times, global warming, like that seems easier to accept than like you said, just the quiet acceptance of, oh no, other people, somebody's probably having their best day of their right. life right now. Yeah. And you are, getting your cancer diagnosis or you're getting told like, you know, there's no treatment options. Mm -hmm. And then like, that's it. The world's not good. No one else is clocking it other than your family. Yeah. And, uh, that's it. Like that's hard. Yeah. It's hard to process. Yeah. So much easier to be like, yeah, go out in a, blaze of glory or whatever right. or, or go out with a bunch of other people who are also having the worst day of their lives yeah you're like yeah we can all suffer together then right yeah i think for me the way it would have to happen is you would just have to take me off of my depression medication and let me lose my mind and, and just, just kill myself <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean i wouldn't be able to go through the process of like sign this you know all right get in your bed and everyone (laughs) gathers around and you say goodbye you know what i mean other than that i can only imagine learning like i learned one elaborate magic trick that (laughs) that allows me to like switch your iv Uh also doing a card trick and just like do it all where you don't register what i just did yeah and then it's just like oh you're tired and you're gone. Yeah. 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 Or else you're going to go kicking and screaming is what I'm hearing. Yeah. That, that's literally what it's, I told Julie. I was like, I'm going to be in the hospital bed on my deathbed being like, please don't let me die. I want to live. <laughs> you're you're going to be like with in the room. It's just going to be like anyone who really loves him. Exit. <laughs> He's not going to die with dignity. Put on the headphones, right? Walk down the hallway. (laughs) Ignore the screaming and the crying from the room. Um, Yeah, you know, I and and, uh, so let let me ask you this. Well, there there was something. Indy and I watched The Good Place. Okay. 
you know about the show, mm-hmm. right? Never seen it. Bits and pieces. Julia watched all of it. Oh, she watched the whole thing? Mm-hmm. She so, loved it. Oh, so it ends with, you know, so the whole thing keeps flipping and flopping. Are they in heaven? Oh, it's hell. Right. All stuff. At the end, they all get to take over and run heaven. Mm-hmm. And wait a minute. So they were in heaven the whole time? Or they go to no. heaven? Okay. And spoiler alert, uh-huh. they end up going to heaven mm-hmm. where the people running heaven are like, peace, we're out of here. <laughs> we're tired of this. We're tired of this. <laughs> we can't do it uh-huh. because it's just so much pleasure that the pleasure becomes boring. Oh, uh, okay. And everyone in heaven's just kind of like leveled out and they're just like, this sucks, you know? And then they they make it the way that they fix it is by giving people the option to just stop existing. Okay. So at any point, you can be like, you know what? Heaven's great. Been here for a million years. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to walk through that door. It'll be peaceful. And then you just basically turn back into energy. Mm-hmm. And slowly you watch in the finale each of the characters choosing their time to go. Mm. Some are in a relationship, some are alone. Number one, posed with that question, can you ever see yourself being like, I'm, I'm through that door? No. Now. I was just going to say, a million years of pure pleasure sounds wonderful to me. Give me two million. You know what I mean? In watching it with Indy, he definitely had some questions. Yeah. And in working through the questions, I think what I realized, I was like, the thing that bothers me about this, and again, bothers is a strong word. Mm-hmm. I don't care. It's a TV show. You had to write it some way. They had to end it, and they chose that way, and that's perfectly fine. But if I'm talking about it with my 13-year-old, and we're getting deeper into it, like the problem is, is they base heaven off of pleasure. Mm-hmm. That's not really it. It's not about like feeling pleasure. It's about me losing the ability to be curious about like there's even scenes where they go down to earth. Mm-hmm. It's like I right now, I can't imagine myself dying because of Indy. Right. And then what if Indy has a relationship and has a child? I'm going to be interested in that child. Right. And then from there, I'm going to be interested in like what new things humans are creating artistically. Right. Mm -hmm. That like if I lived in, if I died in ancient Greece, I don't imagine being in uh, eternity and being able to see the stuff on earth and being bored. Right. You know what I mean? I think I'd still want to come down and be like, holy shit. Do you see these? video games that people mm-hmm. are playing like mm-hmm. oh my god i didn't know that you could do that and everybody's conception whether it's religious or like in that show it's always this idea of like pure knowing all being all knowing or being a god like you become a god mm-hmm. or like again it's constant pleasure it's not just existence it's not just like you extending your normal existence which i kind of agree with you i don't know that I would get bored of it. Yeah. Of just existing. Not 
feeling constant pleasure, right? Not knowing everything in the whole world. Yeah, that's not that. That wouldn't be my conception of heaven, you know, because then it would suck. But yeah, if you like, just get to watch humanity and partake in some of the advancements. Sign me up, mm-hmm. and then when this galaxy bursts, I'd like to see what the aliens are doing, and if space is infinite. And I'm, I'm sure there's infinite things for me to look in on and be like, holy shit, these things have eyes in their feet. Right. <laughs> Let me see what they're all about. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. And and so, yeah, I that, that that was my my feeling. It's like I think too many people like tie living or life to like pleasure. Yeah. And it's like I much more relate to Yosarian in Catch-22, mm-hmm. where one of the first passages that blew my mind in Catch-22 was Yosarian trying not to do anything. And I'm like, oh, he's lazy. Okay, I get it. Like, he's just a slacker. But then Joseph Heller explains, like, why Yosarian is not wanting to do anything. And it's because he wants to stretch time out. He wants to feel bored. Because in feeling bored, you feel the seconds pass. Mm-hmm. And in feeling the seconds pass, you're feeling your life. Right. As opposed to being like, I'm busy or, oh, I'm chasing the next good good feeling. It's like Yosarian was about extending each moment. Mm-hmm. That's all he wanted to do. He wasn't yeah. even about like, am I seeking pleasure in this moment? He just wanted to extend the moment. Mm-hmm. It's like, to me, that that way of life makes more sense. Yeah. And... Why would you want to stop existing? Yeah, you know, totally. Like, yeah, like, like you're Syrian. Why would you want to stop just sitting in the sun, not doing anything? Right. Experiencing something. Experiencing um, anything. Right. Experiencing anything, which brings me to the last thing I'll talk about. The other thing that all of this death talk made me think of, and specifically when we were going over it a little bit earlier, texting each other. When we lived together in 2009, right after Indy was born, right? Mm-hmm. We used to watch a show called I Survived, <laughs> yes. right? That was all about people going through horrendous situations and surviving. And then they're describing those situations. And very obviously morbid and dark show. Um, but the conversation that stuck with me that I remember having coming out of all of those watchings was, would you choose to go through one of these experiences if you knew You'd survive. you would survive? You come out the other end and not just survive because that makes it kind of, because like obviously if the experience is you get stuck in a cave and have to cut both your arms off, I'm not going to choose that. Right. But if it's like you get stuck in a cave and maybe you get, you have to get, you get like cut or whatever, you come out of it on the other end. And for the most part, you're fine. Right. Nothing like no sort of like lasting, lasting damage or anything that's like causes like huge complications afterwards. Would you still choose to do it? Right. And your answer at the time was no, always no. (laughs) And mine was always yes, because I just want the experience, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And so I thought it would be interesting to revisit that. And I went through the Wikipedia and I checked out some of the show descriptions from some of these episodes. And a lot of them are incredibly dark, right? I'm going to stay away from those. I picked the ones that are a little bit more lighthearted than that. Um, so this first one here, I, I want to know, would you go through this or not? Right? I tried to run the gamut on some of these. Three, <laughs> three masked gunmen burst into a bank executive's home in Needles, California, then taped dynamite to the bodies of her seven-year-old daughter and roommate and ordered the executive to rob the bank vault where she works or they'll blow up her daughter. There's no way you say yes to that because right. it involves your daughter. It involves your kid, right? So you can't say yes to that. One of the reasons I include this is because it happened in Needles, California. Needles, California is the town over from Mojave Valley where I lived. Mm. And Needles, California was known in the desert city I lived as like the piece of shit city next door. Like there's nothing there. So I, A, could not imagine a bank executive living in Needles, California because there's nothing there. But then as I went on, I realized it said that uh, this bank executive lived with a roommate. So that kind of makes more sense. <laughs> if you're a bank executive in Needles, Needles you have to have a roommate. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was trying to think like what an equivalent would be because that's a that's a compelling situation it's like what if they put dynamite on your dogs right and see and that's one where it's like there's nothing like there's no physical aspect of this one at all you just go through it and you come out the other side with like a crazy story but obviously if it involves your kid you can't do that you can't do that all right two friends and their fathers fly to mexico for a fixed fishing trip but turbulence forces their plane to crash land and the foursome must fight for their lives in the ocean. The ocean stuff freaks me out. Right. I'm exactly. going to be honest. Like ocean stuff. I'm not cool with because I, I have too active an imagination mm -hmm. and there's no way that I would ever like, I would go legitimately. And I say this like purposefully. Yeah. I would go legitimately insane floating in mm -hmm. the ocean, but you know, you live. You know you get through it perfectly fine. No, no, no. Here's, for me, the setup has to be this. You are given this opportunity to experience this thing. Mm -hmm. You know that you'll make it okay. Once you say yes, the genie grants it, and you're in the situation without knowledge that you'll be okay. Okay. Mm, that's so, a, so it's like a severance thing, right? Yes. It's a, it's a huh. severance situation. So in it, you think, oh, God, I, I could die. But you've already agreed, and you know you won't. But you agree to it knowing that you'll be fine. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Okay, so it's no on the ocean. And you would do it. Also, no guarantees that other people will not die. Right. No, I, that's in here, too. Right. Yeah. Um, the ocean one I would not do because it involves other people. And how many, how long were they adrift? Does it say again? It doesn't say. And on that show, you know, it was like a week. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way. No, yeah. This show is brutal. Yeah to, yeah. to get on this show, it's like, okay, so plane crash, check. You're in the in the ocean for how long? One day. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, we're going to have to pass. We've got this pass. other family. They were out there oh, for we. seven days. So, 
They had to fight off a shark with their bare hands. <laughs> right, exactly. One of them's missing their feet now. Uh, a man crawls down Mount Adams in Washington State after breaking his ankle. That seems like a pretty simple one. <laughs> I think I started cracking up because I think I remember the, si- the situation where you're like, yeah, it was like a bear. It was like somebody fell and broke their leg and then a bear attacked them. And you were like, you're like yeah. Well, Mike. Like, and they were like, they could see their house. Like right. their leg was broken to a point that they couldn't get yeah. up the hill to their house. And like they fell, they broke their leg. Then they were attacked by a bear all within inside their house. And eventually I think they crawled up and got into their house. But yeah. Well, see, my take on it is like, I just want the experience. If I know I'm going to live and I'll be more or less fine coming out of it, then yeah, I'll do it. Give me the experience. So you do that one. Oh, absolutely. You break your ankle and have to crawl down a mountain? Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you do that? Did you, you you know my story of when I sprained my ankle in order to walk down a mountain, right? No. Walking up a mountain in Tennessee, see a rattlesnake across our path, Mm -hmm. should have known, that's a sign. Now I'm I'm not superstitious, Mm -hmm. but I do believe that my luck is such that bad things happen in like pairs mm. or, and I need to just be aware that for me, one bad thing is followed by another bad thing. So see a rattlesnake, keep going, get to the top of this mountain, twist my ankle, mm-hmm. like literally on a rock, full twist. And, um, the rest of my family goes down, at least stays with me. Mm-hmm. I'm like hobbling down the mountain and then a baby bear. <laughs> Walks <laughs> right in, in yeah. about 10 yeah. feet away from me. Uh-huh. And guess who is 30 feet away from baby bear? Right. The the mother bear. Right. And I literally, I was like, Elise, you have to go. Right. Like, I, I cannot run. If uh-huh. this thing, like, wants to eat me or is, a, you know, like, I'm for real done. Yeah. And that was, I cannot tell you how terrifying it was. Oh, for sure. Like, I believe it. Out in the open, exposed to a wild animal that could kill you and knowing, like, this is... <clears throat> but see, the way my brain works, and maybe this is just how dumb I am when it comes to this stuff, when you said that, in my mind, I thought, I I could still run. If that bear, I would, I could still outrun the bear. <laughs> <laughs> my ankles, friend, I get it, but, like adrenaline and i could run legitimately no way and you don't want to run that's the whole thing yeah that's true you know what i mean like you just have to slowly back away but yeah if that bear gets that baby bear gets interested in you yeah then you really are dead because that mother bear is going to come over and investigate you and it's not going to turn out well so that guy broke his ankle and walked down a mountain no talk of bears or anything no no talk of bears that's it that was all the description i got but and here's the other thing for me too, and this is was right after, not right after, but pretty soon after I broke my wrist. Mm-hmm. Which if I if I had gotten hit by that car, dead. by that van, I'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Not it's going like 70, 80 miles an hour. I'd be spl- completely splattered. Right. So near death experience totally like flipped my perspective. Right. And it's almost like a euphoric feeling. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, and so that's kind of where I'm coming at it too, where it's like, 
well, then I could have this feeling of like, yeah, I I would have that like I almost died euphoria again, right? I tried to at one point write like a short story about a guy who kept like trying to orchestrate near-death experiences. Yeah. Right? How did it turn out for him? I don't know. It's somewhere in my Google Drive. But but do you know where where he would go or are you the writer that just follows the story and then... Yeah, I was more or less just making scenarios of some goofball trying to kill himself but not kill himself like coming to the edge of killing himself right <clears throat> all right two brothers are struck by lightning on top of the highest mountain in the continent continental united states <laughs> would you choose to be struck by lightning you know what struck by lightning i would say yes okay i'm gonna live see i that's that is one where i would say no because I would have to imagine getting struck by lightning feels absolutely insanely terrible. Like, and I and I say that, and I'm the person who's still like, I will squeal like a little pig if you put a nine volt battery like right. near my tongue. I'm like, oh no, I can't do it. Like, Not only that, wouldn't it leave you with like the scars all up and down your body? That's what I'm saying. Where you would still be fine, but you'd have these like lightning strike scars on your exactly. body. Exactly. Can you imagine though if you like had body shame issues. Sure. You have this cool pattern, but you can't show it to people because you're like, <laughs> I don't want to take off my shirt. Yeah. All um, right. Yeah. So, so you would be a no, I'm trying to think like the other problem from what I know about lightning strikes is like, it, it, it's like fire. Like, you know, it's exactly. like, Ooh, but it really is like, it would burn you from the inside out. That's exactly. Just, that's the other one yeah. where I feel like in this obviously made up scenario, we've, we've, we've made up ourselves. That's the one where I feel like I, I can't be okay. After getting struck by lightning, I don't care. I know this scenario is you're fine afterwards. There's no way you're fine afterwards. If you get struck by lightning, like some part of your insides are melted or something. You, you, you talk about like the feeling of euphoria. After a near-death experience, I also, <laughs> the fact that it's two of them, like I'm just imagining <laughs> you and me, and I'm, ima- I'm, a, I'm just imagining what you and I would both see looking at each other after we both got struck by lightning. That's true. And it just, lo- it just it's hilarious to me. Like, yeah. I'm sure in the moment we'd be in just extreme pain, <laughs> but if you could have a moment outside your body, just would be like, what would Justin look like after right. he <laughs> lightning in me? Well, there's also oh. that moment. There has to be like a beat after it happens, and you're both looking at each other like, <laughs> did we just get struck by lightning? Or like you get thrown, and <laughs> yeah. then you're like, you sit up, and like you see, like at the same time, you look yeah. at each other. Uh, I got two more. A vampire movie comes to life when a nant. Nanat New York man awakes to find his neighbor ready to pound a sharpened crucifix into his chest. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Not? You know you live though. I never want to wake up and have somebody already perched over. Because that would be emotionally scarring for the rest of your life. How would I ever sleep? (sighs) Yeah, I mean, that's tough because I would so much want... To have the story of I woke up one night and my neighbor thought I was a vampire and tried to kill me with a crucifix. And I fought him off. But yeah, now I can't really sleep anymore. I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm absolutely terrified. Yeah, man. No, no thanks on that one. <laughs> 
Okay. Pass. Last one. Two forest workers are attacked by a grizzly bear, leaving one of the men scalped. (laughs) (laughs) They both live, though. Can you imagine being (laughs) the one who got scalped in that story and then, like... (laughs) You're you're telling that story with your friend, and <laughs> it's like they get to tell it, right? But nothing. At one point, you slowly raise your hat. Exactly. <laughs> you're the one who's like, "Yeah, you can see my head. Right? Doesn't really fit the top of my top. Of my head doesn't fit the bottom of it. And the other guy's just perfectly normal. Yeah, man, it scalped him. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. Bear attacks. Would you? Bear attack. I see. That this is one where I feel like I'd have to pass on because one for some reason just an animal attack like that totally freaks me out. Has to be just a nightmare to just witness, let alone experience yourself. And then the second part, the second part of that, experiencing it has to be absolute hell. Like there's no way I would want to go through that. Even if like I'm severing myself, <laughs> I'm not gonna put my any through that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the the other thing that I was thinking about were like real near death experiences like that, mm-hmm. expanding it. But you already said like there's the 127 hour story. Mm-hmm. The guy had to cut off his own arm. Right. You wouldn't do that, right? You would just be a skeleton still with their arm trapped under a rock. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> you know what? I don't know if I would have ever had the thought to cut my own arm off. I don't think it would be like a give up thing. I think it would just be like, I what I can't do anything here. You know what I mean? How do you think to cut your own arm off, I guess? That, that's the classic story, I feel like, of you being like, oh, yeah, no, I would just never get my arm caught under a rock. <laughs> no, just you don't understand. Like, it's a ton, and it felt... Yeah. Yeah, no, you just... I would just wiggle my arm. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I feel like that's how you would conceive of that one. But, um, I mean, no, you do it because you hear about animals doing it. That's the thing that I always think about. Like mm. the rat who's stuck in a rat trap and chews its own paw off. Right. Yeah. 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 You're like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. You find a way to live, I guess, is my point in all of this, or at least for me, is like you're stuck at sea. All you've got is a volleyball. I've got. I'm not gonna just swim to the bottom of the ocean and let myself drown. I'm gonna try and do something to stay alive. You know, mm-hmm. even if that is just swim until I'm absolutely exhausted and can't swim anymore and drown without any energy. But mm-hmm. even then, see that to me seems like how do you not have any energy left? If you know you're going to die. You just have energy. You just make more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stay alive. <laughs> um, the only other thing that I wanted to ask about this was, was it? Huh. Um, yeah. yeah, who knows? Shout out to his family. Um, man, I can't believe I forgot because I really did want to want to just talk really briefly about the. Oh, I don't think this was it. But anyway, maybe I use this as an excuse 
But you've had some near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. You mentioned one, right? You almost got hit by a car. Mm-hmm. You had to slam on your brakes on your bike. Mm-hmm. You flipped over the handlebars. You literally, like, skid right in, like, the van passed right in right. front of you. Yeah, no, I imagine it almost looked like a cartoon where it's like, I'm going to the intersection and I pulled my brakes so hard that I just did like a 90 degree into face face plant into the cement, into the road, um, like stop on a dime and then tip up and into the ground. That's how I broke my sternum. Yeah. On a boogie board. You crashed on your chest, you mean? like? Yeah, it was yeah. like a 90-degree straight, into right. it, and yeah, then yeah, the yeah. wave crashed over me. Okay, yeah. And cracked my sternum. Yeah, but and what's funny about that is I didn't even, and this is, again, I don't know why my brain works like this, but it happens. I, I stand up, I pick my bike, I go through that whole thing, and then I get home, and then I'm talking to my mom, and my mom is, like, on the verge of tears when I'm telling her what happened, and then she says something like, you you could have died. And it wasn't until that moment where I was like, oh, oh. I could have died. That mm-hmm. car would have killed me. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so have you had other near-death experiences? I think that's it. Really? Yeah, I think so. So, you know, like I've, I almost died on a water slide. Mm-hmm. Told you that story. Um, I almost died by a lady carrying a paper bag at 2 a.m. <laughs> right. Once. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, there was also somebody or some creature outside of our house at uh, Monticello that would always get active when you went to your car. Remember that? Somebody <laughs> ran at me in the dark. Yeah. Um, And they were saying, hey, hey. So that wasn't an animal. <laughs> that was a real person. Uh-huh. Um. I I also th- th- there have been a few. What were some of the other times I almost died? There's a car accident. Um, there was there were others, mm-hmm. and I, I credit that for like I feel like sometimes people who have those experiences. This is my sense. I could mm-hmm. be wrong. Unlike the person in your short story who's creating them, mm. that it, my sense is that it has like a, a calming effect, mm-hmm. where it's like, then you're not like, yeah, let's go on a roller coaster, yeah, let's go skydiving. Where it's like, you guys go, I've experienced <laughs> my thrill, right? Uh huh. I mean, for me, it was just kind of like the way it changed my perspective is I just kind of stopped, I feel like stopped caring about a lot of stuff. Mm. Not in like a nihilistic way, in a way that's just like, yeah, that stuff doesn't really matter that much. See, that's kind of where I put my interest in like like things like board games, mm-hmm. where it's like a high demand interest takes a lot of time mm-hmm. setting up, you know, reading and understanding the rules. A lot of times board games, like you don't get it the first time. Yeah. Got to play a few times. And ultimately, what are you doing? You're like looking at cards in your hand and being like, I'll do this. And I'll push this piece there. Mm-hmm. And then the next person goes and you're like, 
what a what a waste. Mm-hmm. What a what a useless activity. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm like, what what else am I going to do? Go get in a car accident again? All right. Like, well, but I mean, you get enjoyment out of it, which is where the value comes from. Yeah, yeah. But but I I guess what I'm saying is like it's it's like activities like that make me feel like they are for a particular people. Yeah. With a certain mindset. And also maybe for the people like me who feel like they've been broken by the world a little bit and washed up ashore mm-hmm. and just like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go, what am I going to do? Go out and slip on a puddle in a, <laughs> at a club and crack my head open. And, yeah. Let, you know, let me refine some oil and Dude, <laughs> get some barrels. Let me, let me play with this fake money and see how much <laughs> fake money I can get in three hours. Right. Like, God, I'm so, that seems like such a better investment. And I tie it to all my near-death experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Some people tried to break into my place. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Over at, yeah, those apartments. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right. Anything on the horizon? The drop. The drop. I'll try and watch at some point. Mind, Mind over, over murder. murder has two episodes left. When that finishes, the drop. I'd love to talk about. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there there's something. I want to do another like video game. Find some video game to talk about. Metal Gear Solid. You're gonna play it. I am. I finished Dead Space 1 and 2. Uh-huh. And, yeah, again, one of those things that then I went back and looked at some reviews. Uh-huh. And, yeah, there are some people who are, like, complaining about it. And I'm like, I don't know. What, yeah. what are you looking for in a game? <laughs> like, right. like, I mean, they, then don't play any horror-adjacent mm-hmm. first-person shooters. Then, like, God, I don't know what you're talking about. The one thing I, I do want to say about Dead Space, the sound design. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Just absolutely incredible. And I think the right amount of like hilarious and scary. There are those uh, things that like drag an explosive tumor, <laughs> basically. If do you remember how yeah. they sound when they come out? No. Like they scream like a like a crazed yeah. hyena monkey. Uh-huh. And every time you like <laughs> you're like surprised and then I always would laugh. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> look around and shoot it. Yeah, so I loved, I freaking love Dead Space. Yeah. Okay, well, let me know when you start Metal Gear and I'll start it too. Ooh, that's a good, yeah, you know, just talk to Metal Gear. Okay. All right. Bye, 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 bye.